So Kyle, uh, you you know what I'd actually make me a, a really happy today is, uh, I I really wish we had a sponsor, man. It's been like six months. It does uh, it does feel like it's come time that we have one. I agree with you. Get on it, dude. Get sales guy Kurt on it. What's what's happening? As it turns out, we do have one. Whoa! Yes. Yes. Adam, get your ska music together. We need a we need a ska intro. I'm over here trying to guess what it's going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be underwear. I enjoy un- how Adam doesn't even know. Well, in fairness, no, it I would don't. be it actually would be uh, you know, fitting if it were Under Armour. Their stock fell 23% yesterday. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. It is we not have a Under Armour. What? You can undress me for that later. No, it's uh, literally because the Under Armour does not seem to be selling well. Anyway, uh, yes, we do. We have our first sponsor. Uh, I want to tell, usually we won't do these right at the top, but uh, for today, we might as well just uh, get right to it. I want to tell you guys about Cozy Jewelers in Newtown Square, located in the heart of Delaware County. So listen, it's already November, which is crazy. It's November 1st. So if you guys are in the market for jewelry for the holiday or just looking to buy uh, your girlfriend, wife, significant other, whatever, a necklace, ring, uh, maybe it's come time to pop the question or just make her feel special. Um, I want to tell you about Cozy Jewelers. Friend of the show, friend of the website. They actually know Anthony Sanfilippo, who got the gears in motion on this. They are on the website side of things, sponsoring his flyers content, and they're also sponsoring our podcast. So um, that is the place to go this holiday season. We have a deal for you, of course. Uh, if you if you walk in Cozy Jeweler, and that's C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers, and you can go CozyJewelers.com, you walk in there and you mention Crossing Broad, you'll get 20% off all sales now through Black Friday. That is, I believe, their Black Friday sale. And for Crossing Broad listeners slash readers, they are extending it uh, for the entire month of November. 20% off of jewelry is Damn. nothing to shake a stick at. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, I might do that. You should, so sales guy Kurt uh, walked out of of there uh, after securing the sponsorship with two Movado watches. So they have good stuff. So I'm pretty sure Ooh. they got their money right back from our sales guy. I anyway, do need a watch. Located 10 minutes uh, from Center City, 15 minutes from King of Prussia. Uh, think Cozy Jewelers first. I know this. I know if you listen to a lot of sports podcasts, uh, watch CSN, all that stuff, you do see a lot of jeweler ads. Almost all of them are downtown. I know uh, that our audience is, I'd say at least, if not the majority, either lives in the suburbs or lives and works in the suburbs. It's probably well over 50%. For, for someone like me who's a little bit outside the city, going downtown is not really feasible. So Cozy Jewelers right in Newtown Square. It's much more accessible if you don't want to trudge downtown, especially during the holiday season. Um, they are a certified Movado dealer. As I said, Kurt bought two uh, Movado watches. They were voted best of the main line in 2017. Um, also, if you're thinking about getting married, I know tis the season. I popped a question in December a few years ago. Did Mention- you? Yeah. Mention Crossing Broad, uh, and you'll get $500 off a custom engagement ring. Um, hey, man. Don't, that's a lot. You, you guys that are on the soundtrack here. That is a lot. 500 is a lot, lot man. That is, that is, that's a lot of money. So if you guys, uh, if you guys have well, never Adam, bought a ring. Well, Adam, you might find out someday. I might have to go to Cozy. If you guys As the resident divorcee. This is like speaking directly to Adam. Adam, if you've never bought a ring, there's, four, there's four C's, right? Got oh, color. I know this. Okay. Well, trust me, it's we confusing. got color, cut, clarity, and carrot. And carrot. And carrot. There you go. Nice. So take my word for it if you've never done it. And Russ's word. It's confusing. The guys at Cozy Jewelers will walk you through it. I promise you. Uh, they'll make it real simple for you. And you'll get five hundred dollars off a custom engagement ring, which is a lot, which is a very good deal. Um, and you also have 0% financing for the first year if you uh, don't want to pay for that in cash, which I wouldn't blame you. Uh, quality craftsmanship and family-owned and operated Cozy only sells the best diamonds, and we'll educate you first on how they handpick their diamonds. So go in there, mention Crossing Broad, either get 20% off anything you buy, or if you're looking to get engaged, at it, it, the very least, stop in, mention Crossing Broad, you'll get $500 off, and they'll walk you through the four C's and, and then some. I'm sure there's much more to know. Uh, so do ho- holiday shopping at Cozy Jewelers. 
Before you go anywhere else, it's Cozy Jewelers, C-O-Z-Z-I, Jewelers.com. Mention Crossing Broad to get 20% off. So our thanks to to them for being the first sponsor of the podcast and also for sponsoring Flyers content on the website. So, Man, Ka, how did you awesome. how did you pop the question? Um, so I did I did it in the city. We went to the Christmas Village, okay, and then I did it there because we we had gone a few years. So I did it right uh, kind of across the street from the Christmas Village because it was a little crowded, not too far from the Frank Rizzo statue that always has protesters at it. Um, <laughs> so our special place is that little red pond that sits yes. sits on that building. Right near there, uh, and it's always on the news because there's always protesters and some sort of uh, ongoing uh, strife. It was a a really good metaphor for the comments section. (laughs) It really was. Well done. And then we took a horse and and buggy ride to an Italian restaurant we like, and our family met us there. That's Um, sweet. Uh, what about you, Russ? Flyers game? Yeah, where else? What did no, you do? I, I uh, popped the question at a uh, an Italian restaurant, Limoncello in Westchester, and um, mm, yeah, I I promised my wife that I would take her there, and there was a there was a year that I had made a really late reservation. She got sick, and we never ended up going. So it was like two years later. I said, let's go there. It was like uh, middle of the summer, and uh, we went. Popped the question. Uh, I don't ever think she actually said yes. I think she said, oh, sweet God, or something like that. Oh, dear God. <laughs> dear Lord. I don't know. But, like, she didn't say yes, I don't think. But uh, then afterwards, a couple of our friends, uh, Frank was uh, the guy who put it all together. We met at our favorite bar in college, which was Doc's, which is no longer Doc's now. And all of our friends and her brother were there. And uh, that was that was pretty cool. So we got Screams, to surprise her. Streaks. with that. Yeah, like, it was, it was, it was full... One Full on which awesomeness. There's two different sounds. What? A scream or a shriek? I, no. I, don't, I don't know if it was a shriek with the light. I think. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was. It see, was positive. You, it was a positive yeah. sound. See, it's it's these moments that you'll treasure forever, and of course, cozy will help you remember that forever. But I had one of those moments yesterday. Ooh. Yep. That's right, Russ. Ooh. At about nine, I don't know, fifteen, I was in the gym. <laughs> I was getting ready to go in, and I got a little Bleacher Report alert that said, Breaking news, Jay Ajayi has been traded for a fourth-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Kyle, you bet your ass, I screamed and I shrieked. And it was that moment in which I realized Howie Roseman is a goddamn animal. Oh, <laughs> The guy likes his trades. Do you guys hear that sound? That is the sound of the Eagles pushing all of those chips to the middle of the table. They're all in, and they're ready to make a run. So is he going like to play left envision, tackle? I like to envision Roseman taking his metaphorical wang and slamming it down on the negotiating table, a la Paul Holmgren. I appreciate that. I want to tell you guys a story. I want to tell you guys a story. There was a man... It was a very, very intelligent man, and sometimes he ruffled feathers. And this man grew to create the company Apple. His name is Steve Jobs. Never heard of him. I know that, Kyle, you're quite the fan of this man. Well, Kyle, you'll know that after Steve Jobs created Linda, he began to lose some power of his company. Linda? Linda was his big creation. And unfortunately, it wasn't selling well. It was the Lisa. Thank you. Even more important, the Lisa. Linda. Don't test my Steve Jobs. I was going to say, Linda's like a professional development website. You know know who Lisa was? Lisa was the the Marcus Smith of products. It worked. It just didn't work well. Well, guess what? Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple. Okay? And... What happened in his place, he knew he waited alongside and created the next generation of computers only for eventually Apple to come crawling back and hire them, hire him, and then eventually make him the CEO. Howie Roseman is Steve Jobs. Oh, boy. Um, Howie Roseman had his office moved around the corner. 
and waited patiently for those years why Chip Kelly devolved Apple into nothing and all the while Howie Roseman plotted and waited. And now Howie Roseman has got his vengeance in such sterling fashion that what we are witnessing is the iPhone of football teams. No. Carson Wentz is the iPhone. Don't do it. How long have you been working on this? About uh, four minutes. While you were talking about cozy jewelers. So. But it's pretty good. Yo, Vince. Yo, Vince, do you want to also call it the dream team while you're at it? Hey, no, but see, that's old Steve Jobs. That's Steve Jobs pre-Lisa. And now Howie has come back and he's a new person. He's turtleneck Steve Jobs. I appreciate I appreciate your analogy and I find some similarities. Yes. Um, I'm not quite ready I'm not quite ready to anoint Howie yet because the one thing and, and we don't have to keep on with the Steve Jobs thing, the one thing the first thing Steve Jobs did when he returned is he pared down. So that Apple had like fifty million, you know, fifty. Exactly. Exactly. He traded DeMarco Murray. He traded Byron Maxwell. He traded Kiko Alonso. Kyle, thank you for bringing that up. That's perfect. All right, fair. I was gonna say paired down. He had he had two a laptop, desktop, high end and low end of each, and that was yeah. That was that was our Doriel Green Beckham Nelson Aguilar Jordan Matthews stage. All right, I'll get I'll give you that. Yes. Does anybody? Does anybody? Getting more detailed now. Now I'm a little bit more impressed. Oh, we I could keep going, but in I fairness, though, with the fact that Halapoli, in, in, in fairness, the fact that we still have Halapoli, Guatemala, Guacamole, Vitae still playing left tackle is kind of like having a computer without a key. I'm going to be honest. Halapoli, Vali, Vitae played well. The only thing that I'm truly concerned about right now is middle linebacker, because rewatch I rewatched the game at work yesterday, and I was just like, man, this Joe Walker, blah. But anyway, we need to talk about JJ. Where were you? What do you think? What are your emotions? Are you excited? Russ, you sound like you're just going to say because we don't have left tackle. No, 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 no. No, I am excited. I'm sitting in class and, you know, kids aren't supposed to have their phones, whatever. And one kid obviously gets the alert and uh, and just yells out in the middle of the class, Mr. Joy! Mr. Joy, the Eagles got a Joy! <laughs> I'm like, what? They got a Joy! Do you understand what this means? I'm like, you're yelling so loud right now that I don't even know if I care. I'm like, breathe. Breathe, young one. Repeat. And then, like, six other kids got the alert. And then it, it felt like we were at Russell summer camp. A tight ship. It felt like we were at summer camp and, like, I don't know, some somebody brought, like, somebody's mom brought ice cream, you know, ice cream sandwiches for the cabin. So it was a thing. It is exciting. That's great. Some, some home run speed. Like, I know Adam Gase hated him. Uh, at the end there, but I like the idea of there being a home run hitter on this team, um, and and man, he and Blunt together are like yeah. the the brothers of dread. Yeah. So oh, I like that. There's I a t-shirt like idea, Kyle. The brothers of dread. The t-shirt is roll a J, roll a Blunt. Is the t-shirt. No. I also like the fact that your AirPods have now you know disconnected. It's beautiful. <laughs> Speaking of Apple products. So my dream scenario. So, of course, let's acknowledge the reports are that he was demanding the ball more. And even though he was getting the ball a lot, he was upset that he wasn't getting all of the carries and blah, 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 blah. And he wasn't a great teammate. Uh, I know that some Eagles have come forward and said, look, we don't really care. It's a fresh start. And when you come here, we're rolling so well that it, that you're going to realize that you're part of a team. My dream scenario is that we use Ajay as the main featured back and he gets around 20 to 25 carries a game. And then like Garrett is used how the Patriots used him last year, which is mainly in the fourth quarter and mainly to demoralize people. It was an absolute spectacle last year to watch the Patriots put in LeGarrette Blount at the end of the game and watch him just run over and demoralize people in the fourth quarter. Like, it was really special because LeGarrette breaks more tackles than really anyone in the NFL. I believe he's actually one of the leaders in that category right now. Um, But him doing it in the fourth quarter when people were tired was a joy. And maybe goal line. I think Ajayi could do that too, but I like goal line. 
I understand what Russ is saying about the the O-line. There were some runs in that game on Sunday against San Francisco where it wouldn't have mattered if you had JGI or Le'Veon Bell. They were in the backfield, the 49ers, and it wouldn't have worked. But I just think that uh, – and also the other thing we have to acknowledge is that Ajayi's knees have had history of being hurt. But when you have the Smallwoods and the LeGarrette Blunts and the Corey Clements uh, and even the Kenyon Barners, you have enough people to, to take the pressure off everybody. I don't want Ajayi getting 11 carries a game. I want him in the 20 range. But I just think this is a great guy to have towards the end of the season. Just another do the rotation to pound people. You can't get enough. And I, I agree with the Eagles making this move because I don't think LeGarrette would have been able to be consistent. So I think this is a great move for the playoffs. And I'm, I'm super excited that they did this. And for a fourth-round pick, shit, the kid's 24 years old. What were you really going to find the fourth round? I love it. I would, uh, I'll challenge you a little bit on the Patriots just using Blunt in the fourth quarter. He had 18 touchdowns. Uh, he was Yeah, so he was goal line and then fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, my, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm all in on Ajayi here. Um, a guy, for a guy who had three 200-yard games last season, uh, he had another 100-yard game. So he had four total games of 100 yards, which isn't spectacular. Right. But when three of them are over 200 yards, that's not a fluke. You know, maybe once a guy breaks off two massive runs and has a big day. To do that three times in a season is darn impressive. He hasn't done much of anything this year. He's averaging 3.4 yards per carry. He has no touchdowns. He has one game over 100 yards against the Falcons. There's definitely people who want to hold that against him, and you definitely could hold that against him. You could say it's his knees. There were some reports yesterday that the Dolphins are convinced that his knees just aren't going to hold up, but that was also the case when he was drafted, and you know they did just fine last year. Um, you have Adam Gase saying that he's always looking for the home run play, openly criticizing him without mentioning his name in a press conference last week. Also a little bit concerning, but the Dolphins' offense is purely dreadful. They have 700, 1,700 total yards, which is by far worse in the league, 300 behind the next worst team. Inexplicably, I didn't even realize this till yesterday, because just from watching them, I would have figured they have no more than two wins. They're 4-3. and three. Uh, which is rather remarkable. In their three losses, they've scored a total of six points. So the yeah. Dolphins' problems went well beyond Jay Ajayi, and it seems Adam Gase may be on a little bit of little bit of a power trip and wasn't happy with him and took away what is probably by far at least their, their most talented or dynamic weapon. For the Eagles to get that guy for a fourth-round pick, the only person— I saw who had even remotely a problem with it was David Murphy, of course, tweeting about value propositions. Well, you traded a fourth when the guy was drafted in the fifth, so you actually did pay a premium. Like, fucking shut the fuck up. Like, stop it. Like, you have the assurance with this guy. You can get a Donnell Pumphrey in the fourth. With Jay Ajayi, you have a guy who has um, three 200-yard games under his belt, a total of 500-yard games in the last year and a half. So I like it. Here's the thing I would be... I think we have to watch for. How do they use him? Because he should be the lead back. He's better than Blunt. But Blunt has been decent, not great, maybe good at times this year. Um, The problem with Blunt is when he was in there a lot of times, the other team knew he was running. You saw this a lot with the 49ers. You saw this on some of the end goal situations earlier. It'll be interesting to see the distribution um, Ajayi's a better blocker, so you, I don't want it to be the thing like Ajayi's in, they could run or pass, and then Blunt's in, they're definitely running. And that's always been a concern, so it's probably less of a concern now because, you know, it, Smallwood indicates something totally different. I'm just, I'll be interested to see how Peterson uses them. Ajayi's got to learn to playbook. Presumably, it's not all going to be open to him on Sunday. Luckily, there's a bye after that, so they should be fine. But yeah, I mean, this is this is a great move. You get a talented guy, he makes 600. Fifteen thousand dollars this year, seven something next year. He's under contract. Like you Click can't argue with with any of this. Adam, question though, because I don't watch the Dolphins. Yes. How bad is their O line? Bad. Like they, they stink. have some like, good dreadful, pieces. Like so, dreadfully bad, or so their center uh, Pouncey is really good, and then they have two first round picks playing either tackle. Um, your 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 favorite guy. 
the one that Tunsil. got busted with the weed, Laramie Tunsil, Tunsil yep. the weed, and then the other tackle, James, who was a uh, he's been they've been good. Their guard play has been rough for two years, uh, and and frankly, the, people aren't thinking about this either. When you have the Jay Cutlers and the Matt Moores and Devontae Parker has been out for most of the season, people have been putting more guys in the box. Every time you watch the Dolphins, everyone's playing close to the line of scrimmage because, well, you know, who are you really afraid of? You're not really afraid of Jay Cutler beating you deep. He hasn't had many moments. And the only guy that can really do it was Kenny Stills, and he's had one good game. So... Uh, Jay Ajayi has actually looked very good. Um, that Falcons game, if you want to go on game, game Pass and watch what you're really getting, man, did he run hard in that game. He doesn't break a ton of tackles. Uh, I know he did last year. Um, but what I've been seeing this year is he just hasn't really squeaked out a, a huge run. Um, I think his largest run of the game was his first run against the Ravens, which is about 20-something yards. But he runs really hard. He can catch the ball. He's a pretty good blocker. But he's just got that wonderful prototypical running back size, too. Um, my thing about him not having a long lifespan is there's a few things. One, we are in a window. We're not in our last chance title window, but we are in our Carson Wentz under a rookie deal window which allows you to spend a lot of money elsewhere on the team because Carson in about three to four years is going to get a contract that's going to change the landscape of this football team. And to get somebody like Jay Ajayi and to get somebody like Ronald Darby, who for the next two years at, at very key positions aren't making a lot of money, allows us to spend even more money on an offensive line or re or whether it's re-signing Alshon or going after another number one wide receiver or I don't think they need another defensive lineman so maybe paying a linebacker but to get such a value at running back and cornerback is really clutch and also it's a trial basis for both both guys are young with seemingly some problem that could impact them and the other thing is too do, I don't know if we need a Jai for five, eight years. They're getting him this because the, the NFL is the most parity that it's ever been. The Patriots just lost Dante Hightower and look the, the most susceptible they've been in a long time. What if Tom Brady gets hurt? I mean, they are, in my mind, eliminated from Super Bowl contention now if Tom Brady gets hurt. And I look around the NFL and I go, okay, Seattle goes and gets a tackle. They're making a run. We've talked about the other teams, but the Eagles are the favorite. And to go out in that window and bring in ammunition, I don't really, like if Ajayi lasts three or four years, that's the window that I'm looking at for the Eagles right now. So I don't I don't need every trade to be an eight to ten years to ten year guy. That's not the realistic nature of the NFL. But they're going for it this year, and and I think next year looks pretty damn good too. And Ajay is a is a really good piece that I think will help them down the stretch. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like I don't know really how much else there is to say. Um, I think you nailed most of it. You know, the reality is we we talked about, I mean, before the season started, before they acquired Alshon Jeffrey, you're like, we really don't have another weapon on offense. Right. Now they went out and got Alshon Jeffrey, who has the potential to be an elite-type receiver, probably a notch below the best guys. I, I think that's been clear from what we've seen of him so far. You have an elite quarterback. You have maybe the best tight end. And you went out and got a running back who was kind of low-risk, super high upside. He is coming off a Pro Bowl year. He has the talent to be among the best in the league, like just from fantasy purposes, just from DraftKings purposes, which is sort of how I view football nowadays. It's like there was a 10, uh, maybe even a 16-week stretch from his breakout game last year through the first couple of games this year where you seriously considered paying up for Ajayi because on any given day, he could turn in 150 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns and have that be well within reason without being a long shot. To have someone like that on your team – uh, on a team that's seven and one, when your biggest competitor is losing 
themselves okay. the best running back in football. Oh my god, guys! I just want—I know we have to talk about the Sixers, but there was like a like a, a six-hour span where Zeke got suspended. The T and the Eagles are playing the next week. Quarterback imploded on the field. And now we're facing either Paxton Lynch, who has taken three snaps this season, or Brock Osweiler. And we have to face Brock Osweiler in November, not Brocktober, when he's actually good. Just kidding. And then we go out and get a Jai. I mean... I cannot believe Zeke got suspended. The fact that he's missing one of the Eagles games. If the Eagles win that game, we are three games up. And then those other five games without Zeke, the Cowboys are going to have to go four and one just to like really keep up with the Eagles. I mean, that was enormous that it officially happened. I, I really can't believe that he's going to be suspended. The Eagles, I'm, I'm willing to admit it. But Everything it, is going their way. It looks like it's unreal. It looks like there still might be some sort of injunction here. Like I don't think it's a hundred percent that Zeke's not playing of this course. week still, which it's is gonna crazy. Be, it's going to be the whole season. I is just think bad? the fact that Jerry Jones came out and said Alfred Morris is going to get the majority of the snaps is the first time that he said anything like that. All he's been talking about these last few weeks is it's unfair, it's unfair, it's unfair. To even acknowledge that that's the possibility was very big. The the only thing, let me I'll real quick, I'll just piss on the parade for half a second here. The only thing that concerns me, and I don't think there's that much of a risk, you know, trading a fourth round pick. The Eagles had three. Granted, they don't have a second or third round pick, so it it did have a little bit more value. This was the fourth they got for. Uh, Sam, Bradford. Sam Bradford. So they've traded. So awesome. They've traded a fourth. They they've turned Sam Bradford into Derek Barnett and Jay Ajayi, which is which is damn impressive. The Not only so thing bad. I'll say, although David Murphy would probably be upset because Sam Bradford was a first round pick. Sure. Right. Uh, yeah. No. His his logic on this is completely flawed. Quarterbacks but are more valuable. The only problem. The only potential problem here is uh, the Eagles are clearly going for it, and you you, yeah. you have to if you're seven and one. The thing that will concern me, and we mentioned this last podcast, I put it on the site, they do have the feeling of a team that has peaked in the first half and is maybe probably a year away from truly being a Super Bowl contender. Now, I might be wrong. Maybe I'm under undervaluing what the Eagles are worth. The only thing I would say is you've now, you, you're probably going to wind up with a tougher half of your schedule in the second half. We've talked about this. Rams... Broncos defense, Cowboys twice, Seahawks. Cowboys without Zeke is a different ballgame. <laughs> Fuck Zeke. But you still might wind up with the, the tougher half of your schedule in the second half. The other part of it is you've lost your left tackle and one of your best linebackers, two really important players on this team. We already started to see the impact of both against a dreadful, terrible 49ers team. So adding Blunt, or excuse me, adding Ajayi helps because he's a little bit of a blocker, and this is the reason they made the call. Uh, which Little Birdie told us about Frank Gore, and apparently there was a call about Calvin Johnson. The Gore call had everything to do with his abilities as a pass blocker. But I just feel like they're, they're probably still a year away from true winning a Super Bowl contention, and I guess it doesn't hurt to trade that fourth-round pick. I just don't want to see them get out over their skis and completely mortgage the future next offseason to truly go for it now because – I don't know. I like that's where you can compare how, what Howie Roseman is doing to what Paul Holmgren used to do. Right, right, yeah. That's I, where I can see it getting there very quickly. And the other thing I'll say is I've heard from Little Birdie that multiple times now that Roseman does what Laurie wants, a hundred percent. And this is this is absolutely the the decision to make these calls about Calvin Johnson and Frank Gore and go get a Jai. This is coming from Laurie. And Lori is in win now mode, and we've it. seen what happens when owners are in win now mode. That's my only yeah, hesitation. I, with and this. the only thing I'll say is that a so the, they turned the one of those second or third round picks for Ronald Darby, right? Yep. And then uh, I don't know how the other ones worked. I'm sure one of them was what for Carson Wentz, and yes, then yes. Uh, a third one, and then right. a fourth one is for Jai. So I look at that and I go, okay, all four of those guys are under the age of 24. Right. So I don't really think you're mortgaging the future as much as you're taking uncertain draft picks and putting them on really young players that are on rookie deals for the next two years. So I don't think it's going too far over the skis. I, like if you would have traded a fourth for Frank Gore, 
I completely agree. But the fact that it, this that Jay Ajayi is 24 years old for a fourth-round pick, there's still a lot of rookie value there. Uh, and I, I don't think you're mortgaging for dream team guys like we did a few years ago where it's all these older guys, um, like the Ronnie Browns of the world. Uh, I, I think there's a future in all of these guys. And I think that combining win now with young guys is a great combination. It's a really, you know, it's it's really something that, like, the team is set up for success, right? Like, I, I don't even think there's there's not really a downside to trading a fourth-round pick. Like you said, for Jai, if it had been for Gore, I would have been upset. I don't know how disappointed I would have been. Like, disappointed is, like, when you lose at home to an 0-10 Arizona Coyotes team. Uh, there, There's no reason to feel all that disappointed right now. Uh, if you're somebody who's like really big on the draft and really big on keeping your draft assets because you think that you need fourth round picks, the Eagles haven't been so successful at drafting fourth round guys anyway. But the idea of taking a team into win now mode because they've got young players playing at a high level, maybe even faster than you thought, is kind of like what Ben Simmons has been doing for the Sixers. A team that goes into Houston uh, this a couple days ago and wins on the road and avenges a you know, what was an embarrassing home loss on a last-second three. And they go into Houston, and they win 115-107. And Ben Simmons, who I will continue to beat the drum that Kyle thinks is a stupid argument, uh, is that Ben is actually shooting jump shots. He had, at least, he had at least three jump shots that he took from around the, the uh, free-throw line. And the reason that it is important that he takes jump shots is because on a few plays, after he nailed one or two of those jumpers... Uh, the defense had to start pressing him near the free throw line, and he ended up having a dish down low to Sarge. So, like, there is a point for that. A stupid argument is not saying that Ben Simmons shooting a jump shot is better for the team as a whole, for spreading the floor, and for having to honor him as a shooter. A stupid point would be saying that Under Armour is a better brand than Adidas. All right, hold on. Before you move on, and I... I oh, I'm the... not moving. I'm just, you know, I just want to throw both of these things out before, you know, worldwide genocide. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You're missing the, my entire point on your Ben Simmons thing from, from after game number four. It wasn't that Ben Simmons is going to be substantially better the minute he develops a reliable jump shot. That was never the point. Everyone, everyone in his agreement with that. My problem was the fact that you were criticizing him after four NBA games, after having not played Great. for a season, for not taking the jump shot when everyone is well aware that it is still his biggest weakness as an offensive player. So it wasn't you weren't having an acknowledgement. In my view, the correct angle would have been, yes, acknowledging the fact that Ben Simmons is going to be much better when he has a jump shot. And, hey, yeah, maybe it wouldn't hurt to try it, especially since you don't have faults in there. You know, what do we have to lose at the moment? But you were, you were criticizing him. You're like, the one thing I have a problem with. And I thought that was wholly unfair after, like, his third or fourth The one game. problem I had with was what? That you, had, you were criticizing Simmons for not taking a jump shot, which was unfair. <laughs> you weren't it's acknowledging not... the fact that he would be better with one. You were criticizing no, it would have been unfair him. No, it would have been unfair if I would have criticized him for not having a good jump shot, which would have been stupid. You criticized him for not it's... taking it when he doesn't yeah, have a good one. because... Well, apparently he has a decent enough one. He's been hitting jump shots the last three games. He hit a few elbow jumpers. Let's not get, like, completely... A few elbow jumpers makes a defense... Dude, like, no, but it, it makes a defense stay honest. Yes, I agree. I agree. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. That's the, that was my point. whole problem, is that I wanted to see him shoot jump shots because it makes him a much more difficult guard, if you want to call him a guard, a much more difficult guard to defend. And it's proven to be true. We, we it, Like I said... There were plays in that last game that defenses had to play him differently because they couldn't just sag off him by five or ten feet and then let him either distribute or, or you know, shy away from contact at the rim. I think that's the other big takeaway from that Houston game is in one game Ben Simmons went from a guy who looked totally uncomfortable shooting any kind of jump shot. You want to say that it's, you know, an elbow jumper? That's fine. It's, it's valid. It's accurate. But he went from being a guy who looked reluctant to shoot the ball and also a guy who kind of to a point that Adam, I think, had made a week or so ago as a guy who, you know, we're not really sure if he likes to, you know, bring on the contact. It, it would appear as though sometimes he shies away from it. That Houston game, he was taking the ball strong. And and those are the two, I think, biggest criticisms that, that anybody had of him. If you want to even call them criticisms, it was two things that people wanted to see him improve on is taking jump shots, seeing if he could make them. And the fact that he goes to the rim, he goes hard, he gets contact. 
And he takes this team, who I think is 29th in the league right now, in free throws per game, and, and got to the line. That is an issue, though. 29, 29th in the league in free throws simply does not cut it. Well, and they're Especially among... if you're looking to be a top a top team. Like, I know they're shooting a lot of threes, uh, and that doesn't necessarily lead you to be, you know, putting yourself in position to get to the line very much, but that is an early season concern that I do have, is for as many athletic guys as they have who are slashers, including, like, the Justin Andersons of the world, they're kind of settling for threes right now. But going they're on the among road to Houston, the worst in free throw shooting, too, which is also a problem. Ben Simmons misses yep. two free throws down the stretch. So, like, part of his thing for avoiding contact, I'm guessing if he's a 78% free throw short, shooter, he's welcoming that contact. He's not yet. And that, like, that and the jump shot are his two are his two Achilles heels at the moment. Those things will come, and the minute they do reliably, like, he has the potential to be a top three, top one player in the NBA. Like, if you look, the numbers, his numbers are, he's averaging, what, 17, 9, and 7 a game? It's, yeah, it's frightening. This is, here's one problem that I do have, though. So, TLC goes in, has a good game, right? Scored 17 points in the game. It was awesome. He shot 67% from three. Life is good, right? Wrong. The reason that it's not very good is because Jared Bayless goes out in that game and leads the team in minutes. I think Jared Bayless is a good player. I think he's a better guard than a lot of people give him credit for because he's streaky and he turns the ball over in crunch time situations at the end of games. But Bayless should not be leading your team in minutes. Just my opinion. He had he had two more minutes than Simmons. Uh, when you've got, like, McConnell's up to 26 minutes in that game. TLC had 16. Um, I get that you're, you know, you're without faults. But, uh, and Reddick. You know, and Reddick. Bayless and Reddick in that too. game. Yeah, that's there's a reason why he was playing more. I don't think that's like the intention for the rotation. You do have, uh, I don't know. Does anybody want to make the case that Nick Stauskas uh, should have had a minute in that game? No, he had he had zero with uh, poor vegan jaw, who apparently is. Uh, I I actually feel bad. This is the last thing I'm going to say before worldwide genocide. Is I feel bad for Jaleel. Um, he looks like he tried to get himself in shape, and you can't change your body. Like you you simply cannot change your speed. Apparently, if you're if you're jaw, I feel bad for the guy though. Like it looks like he really did work hard to try to make himself a rotation guy, and right now he's he's been a, a healthy scratch. What three games? It's been like I think he's only played in one game, two tops. Yeah, I don't know if it's a full on healthy. Yeah, a dressed scratch. I don't no, even know it, what the yeah it is. A DNP. It's the, it's co- yeah, DNP. CDDMP. Like it. It's just like I, I do feel bad for the kid. I hope he gets a chance somewhere else. Because clearly it's not going to be here. And this is even before Rashawn Holmes comes back. He tweeted last night, Friday. So it looks like Holmes will be back for their next game, which will be exciting to uh, to see. Anyway, there are some positive things going on in the city. It's nice. I, you know, Ajayi is going to be an interesting storyline for the Eagles this week before they go on to their bye week, which, by the way, is not this week. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know that what I was. Got a lot I think of it was the NyQuil. That. that was the NyQuil. Um, Kyle, I, I do think that it is in everyone's best interest for you to uh, try to salvage the Under Armour name uh, at some point today. Yeah, yeah. Darren, so Darren if, Ravel said this stock dropped twenty three percent one day. It, okay, that's catastrophic. But um, that's it. All right, I'll see you guys later. Go get cozy by the fireside this winter with your loved one after you provide them with some fine jewelry from Cozy Jewelers. So see, Russ. So yeah. Um, for people who don't know, I uh, got quite a few tweets on this yesterday. Adam, I'm not sure how closely you were following, but uh, Under Armour style, Under Armour announced their quarterly earnings, and their stock dropped 23% in one day. I checked that to make sure it was real and not like a pre-market thing. No, it was real. 23, 23%? 23% on a quarterly earnings. Like 23% is usually reserved for some sort of catastrophic news or buyout or something like this is well didn't plank say some like really depressing things yesterday i i so i didn't read all of his comments but from the few news articles i i looked at there's a number of reasons they cited mostly north america struggles as not an athletic brand yeah i gotta admit i was totally wrong on this you guys nailed it in every regard yes. they're not 
they're not struggling as an athletic brand, but they are struggling in the fashion apparel. Whereas a few years ago, it was seen as fashionable to wear under armor. They've oversaturated the market with their products. I think they've sacrificed quality in some cases to get their their logo on just about everything they possibly could and that has hurt the brand's image so as an apparel fashion company it's taken a back seat to the likes of <coughs> adidas and nike um they they also cited their struggles in basketball shoes um so yeah pretty much i was wrong on every single point i made about under armor and i will say that as someone who's been wearing Under Armour sneakers for the last little while, I wore them in the media game on Monday. I busted out my new Nikes to run yesterday, and I have to admit, the Nikes felt like an entirely different shoe, substantially better to run in than my Under Armours. So I was wrong. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to tweet me about how dreadful Under Armour is. However, I would say that at $12, I would buy the shit out of this dip, and I'm thinking about it because... Under Armour at $12, down something like eight, 70% off their high a year and a half ago, that's a value. It's a company that's not going away, and they seem to be in an extreme discount right now. Yeah, I just saw some quotes from Kevin Plank talking about how it's restarting their company, which is why I think the 23% drop happened. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, they tried to get into the basketball shoe space and they just didn't really nail it the first few times with Steph Curry. And yeah, and I, I didn't even think about the whole like lack of quality product, but um, damn. Because I, I remember. Yeah, felt good. I remember about good. a year, year and a half ago. I got to say, everything I, everything I own from Under Armour, like four pairs of shorts, pants, shirt, like it, it, top quality, holds up well. Wear it. I mean, I wear the stuff to death. I probably have worn, you know, this, you know, a one particular pair of gym shorts five hundred times, and it it's fine. Um, I mean, I, like I literally wear them every day. But there, were, I remember like a year and a half ago, I went on Amazon to to get some stuff, and they were like just flooded with SKUs, and some the reviews were all over the place. Like some stuff is like some people were like, "This is the best stuff I ever I ever owned," and for some products are five stars, and others were like two and a half. And you had people just being like, this is, does not feel like an Under Armour shirt. This is, it doesn't fit right. The sizing is inconsistent. So I think they really started, I don't know exactly what their manufacturing is, but you get the sense that they were, um, you know, subcontracting all over the place and just throwing their logo on as many things as possible. So, yeah, yeah, I was wrong. I think I was probably wrong about Under Armour. When they cited basketball shoes, I realized I just had to, I just had to wear this one, I think. Hey, a good man can admit when he's wrong. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. What else we got? There's got to be. There's got to be. Oh, the um, Gabe Kapler. Have you read a little bit more about Mr. Gabe? Did you write that headline? You didn't respond to my tweet. I didn't say uh, coconut oil. No. Did you write the headline that was like he's the hot? new manager of the Phillies is hot? Did you write that? I did. He's attractive. Kyle, that was weird. No, see, it's not weird because here's the thing. Every single person, every single person who Googled Gabe Kapler after the Phillies hired him, which I'm guessing is most people because he doesn't exactly have a track record as a manager, the first thing you see is the guy shirtless and posing. For, you're like, wow, okay, this is a different This is a different manager. We got something different here. That's the reaction. I was trying to encapsulate that reaction. Here's the thing. Okay. Different was a good one. I like the word different. You have to read caplifestyle.com. Like, let me let me just tell everybody what they're doing. After you go to Cozy and pick up um, some some gear, that's the wrong word, some jewels for your significant other this holiday season and save 20% by mentioning Crossing Broad in Newtown Square and the Edgemont Shopping Center, I should tell people, which is very accessible off of Route 3. I'll stop. After you go there, go home and just spend the evening do either either drinking heavily or doing drugs and reading caplifestyle.com because his writings are he's like a cross between a drunken Hemingway and Tim Ferriss and every like new age weirdo slash savant on the internet like he's writing about um you know what to put in your body tanning literally tanning your balls increasing the testo your testosterone count um jerking off after a long day of tanning sleep interrupting your sleep so you can listen to the trees like he is a a flat out weirdo and this is either going to work spec and he's 
all in on sports science and analytics and all in. And he has musings about baseball instruction on his blog. So you really do, I wanted to probably do a post on this today. You really do get an insight into how he's going to run the team. But please, just do some type of substance and read it because you will be, you will, be, I don't know if you'll be better for it, but you'll enjoy it. He is a, is a new is age wacko. That, which is the one that impacted you the most? What's that? Which is the story of his that impacted you the most? He genuinely believes that tanning your balls can increase your testosterone by 200% compared to tanning just your chest, which apparently only increases your testosterone by 120%. He cited like a 75-year-old one-off study for this. He acknowledged, I guess, that you know it could be flawed. But that the, the, the values, even if it was, I guess, like a placebo effect, I'm definitely paraphrasing him here, uh, of, of sunning your balls can be good for your testosterone count. To me, to me, I feel like that's a good way to get testicular cancer. But what do I know? I'm not a doctor. Uh, I don't sun my balls, and I'm not Gabe Kapler. Uh, do you think anyone's going to ask him about this stuff in his opening press conference? And here's the thing. I feel like no. Like, I feel like they'll ask about the baseball stuff. But, I'd be like, did you tan your balls this morning, Cap? But they, they, but they should, because a lot of the, not that specific question, a lot of the Phillies writers are a little bit old school and, and really don't like to dabble in this stuff. But this guy has put his, he's very unique in the sense that you you very rarely have a, a manager or executive in baseball who has such extensive writings. Occasionally you have guys more like in the front office level that have put their thoughts forward more like your your Hinkies or your Billy Beans and uh, your Daryl Morey's of the world. But you really don't have a manager who has his musings uh, and well-thought-out musings, by the way. I mean, he has an entire article about going home to his parents' house and having a conversation with his parents when they're cleaning their basement and them talking over each other. And he went into the like etymology of why and he concluded and cited like scholarly studies literally I'm quoting here that New York Jews tend to talk over each other more than say like Hispanic people like he's put together he's put out and he backs all his things up with you know these studies that he finds but he's put all of these weird thoughts out and a lot of them do have to do with baseball so there's enough there but like he mentioned specifically not overtraining in the batting cage like Sometimes hard work is good, but other times hard work, if you're practicing, if you have a bad hitch in your swing and you keep practicing that, you're getting worse, which is a good observation. But these are all questions. These are all questions that are fair for the baseball field. And if he's instructing his players to go home and sun their balls and whack off and listen to the trees while they sleep, those are like those are fair our questions. Teams would be so good if that's what they do every day. I, I hope, if yeah. Team, I, I, if we have a team of ball tanning, jack offing tree listeners, the Phillies are about to make a run at the pennant. I feel like I feel like they all need to do the uh, the major league thing when they get on second and grab their marbles. That that to me should be their their like uh, their little marbles. antler thing. Yeah. Um, I think I'm really curious to see if anyone does ask. I'm waiting for someone to read all of them. Like, how many posts are there? There's. A, I went in the other night thinking, all right, maybe I read. I don't know how many posts there are. There's a lot. It's not like he's writing every day. I want someone day. to do, like, a full, like, breakdown of all of them and, like, what we're learning. Like, collecting all of his baseball ideas, all of his other ideas, and, like, make a full dossier of, like, all of Gabe Kapler's stuff. I'm going to try and do that today. Deadspin has done a few on the more weirder ones over the years, not even just recently. The 700 level, as usual, kind of half-assed it and did like two excerpts yesterday. So I'm going to try and go through and do like a a comprehensive breakdown of his most interesting musings because some of them genuinely relate to baseball and some are just like this conversation with the parents are just completely out of left field. But it's probably been blogging like I guess on average like once a month. So when he writes a blog post, like he backs it up. They're well-written posts. He's citing studies and you know all sorts of thinkers, and like he's a he's definitely an intelligent guy. But there's also an aspect of what he's putting forth that is pseudoscience, and there's a lot of these people out there. Um, you know, like he's sort of like a poor man's Malcolm Gladwell in that way. And that's not to say he's not intelligent, but you know he's very new age, and so this could either work well. And he's also a hard ass. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff flies with guys like, you know, Oduble and just young baseball players in general and baseball players of all the sports, you know, when you hear them talk. 
tend to yeah. sound like there's the least uh, going through their lobes there. I just hope Clintock and all those guys had read all this stuff ahead of time, and they're not just reading it now because, you know, you just want to factor all these things into a decision because, you know, there's some stuff in there that is embarrassing if I was a franchise owner about my manager and it is what you said it's very rare that someone in this position has been this open and forthright about their theories uh beforehand uh just because you know you are trying to eventually acquire big name free agents and you want them to respect you and i don't i don't know if the listening to the trees is gonna is gonna make people go i don't know but it's definitely making me think in the beginning there's going to be some growing pains here uh, but I'm rooting for him because I like weird people and he seems really weird. And I know he excites you when he takes his shirt off to have people round third. From a blogging standpoint, he's going to be gold. Even when he showed up at the airport and John Clark, and he you know, kind of looks at Clark with his hard ass um, you yeah. know, blazer. How you doing, brother? You call, you know, calling people brother when he, you, said, he said thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did continue talking. I didn't. The, the audio was off on the Facebook video they posted. I don't know what they said, but he did walk with him and they smiled. So he didn't look like as much of a hard ass as he did in that clip. I'm willing to bet though that Clintac hired him specifically because of this stuff. Like Clintac is very new age, super progressive. Is Kapler married? What's that? Is Kapler married? Uh, he was. To, oh well, that's that's fascinating. <laughs> the fact that he's if, divorced, or the fact if you have if you have a shirtless single Phillies manager who believes in tanning his balls. Oh yeah. Yes, I'm very excited to see him out in Riddinghouse Square and see like if he's shopping at Cozy like that. That's a fascinating thing. I feel to me, there's a little bit of Roger Dorn in Major League too. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, I do think, yeah, I, I agree. Having the, having the, the, uh, single playboy manager, like literally playgirl manager is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think Clintech hired him specifically because of this stuff. Like I'm willing to bet he walked <laughs> in that office, Clintech's pants were off and he's like, I like everything about you. Also the fact that you look great without a shirt on, let's do this. Like, I think all of that sp- stuff was like, just like Clintech was eating those blog posts with the sp- he was like Ezekiel Elling it those those Kapler blog posts. I really do think that's what sold him. I would love to see McPhail reading the the phrase about tanning his balls because there's one guy I can assure you whose balls have never hit the light of day. It would be Andy McPhail. Um, and I'm willing to bet John Middleton appreciates this. I don't know this about Middleton, but I would assume he reminds me of the sort of guy who likes to sun his balls every once in a while. I would just think that as a billionaire, honest. you should. Next time I go on vacation, I might uh, pull the bottom of my trousers up a little bit, let those bad boys hang. Just, uh, I hope just this test this theory a, a little bit. It's probably a good place to end it. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, well, we love you guys, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Be well. Tan your balls.